it's not a lot of songs for one thing that's how albums should be i'm listening to albums now and it's just it's a lot of album fillers hip-hop hustle podcast man you heard it here first he's not playing no aaron's not playing no fucking game You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? All right. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I am extremely excited about my next guest. It's the one and only JR Swift. And he's been kind enough to come in on his birthday and talk about his life, his career. Um, so first guest to ever come in on their birthday. So I always appreciate that and that commitment to the craft and the commitment to hip hop. But um, you've worked with some amazing artists as well. Conway the Machine, you've worked with Westside Gun, Flea Lord, Shane Noir, Papoose, um, Sky Zoo, Elzai as well. I mean, man, it must be pretty amazing to look back on your career and be able to look at the accomplishments you've achieved you've achieved uh thus far and know that they're still going to keep on coming yes absolutely man it's uh, again thank you for having me um it's been a very amazing journey um a path my my path on what i've been doing to like my success has been phenomenal to say the least man um i love it i enjoy what i do and some of the just you saying the names that I work with is is crazy. It's still surreal to me, honestly. I find it weird because, like, you know, whenever I prep for an interview, whenever I look at the artists that that I'm speaking to, like, I always look at the accomplishments they have, and it always feels like you forget about it. It always feels like you know, from day to day, that you kind of forget all the things that you've achieved purely because, like. You kind of do it and you move on to the next project. Do you find that as well? Yeah, absolutely, man, because I'm I'm just so focused just on making music and trying to build the brand. And um, what does, you know, a J.R. Swift career will look like once I, you know, leave everything behind and I'm out of here, you know, on to the next life or what have you. Um, I just think about what kind of career, what kind of resume. Um, I think that's why. I move the way I move for a reason when it comes to working with people because I want my, my resume, my art to speak for itself. I hold my, my art such a high regard. And um, yeah, man, it's like it's, it's been a blessing, honestly. Um, just to have a, a whole album with Elza is still crazy. Just to play some of the uh, latest successes on with Gazelda is still surreal, man. So yeah, it's, it's been a crazy journey so far, man. I'm proud of what I've been doing, the work I've the work that I put in, the grind I've been doing. If people don't understand when you're a producer, uh, you're staying up so, you know, late, late hours, um, studying tutorials and so on and so forth, man. So I'm, I'm blessed, you know, they're able to provide the fans with some great music and some great talented people. Well, how does that set up for your future? Like, because now that we look back on it, now that we take a moment to reflect, it's amazing. But do you let those moments set you up for like, all right, here's my next thing or here's my next move? Um, I do. I kind of look at what, what have I done lately. My previous work kind of set up for my next work, like who I want to work with, what do, what, what works for my brand, um, who's next on, a, you know, on the list to work with. Um, who, who else I want to produce an album for or a single? They definitely do. Um, helps me set up to future placements or projects. So definitely, because I want to continue having um, a high quality, a high quality uh, resume for sure. Yeah. How do you find it being a producer? Obviously, you know the the artists get a lot of credit for the songs that come out. And then it almost feels like, you know, producers are the the second piece to it. Like the people who who get mentioned after the song is already like, you know, kind of blown up. Does that make sense? Like how does it like do you ever feel like oh I kinda want producers to get their names out there a little bit more? Cause I feel like, you know, 
being a producer is such an underrated craft. Like, y'all are literally putting the songs together. Without producers, we don't have hip-hop. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. I think it starts with the credits. um, Because you'll see it every time, you know, if a person is not entering the credits correctly on Spotify, well, for it to get on Spotify, you have to go to Distro, Distro Kid, Tune Course, so on and so forth. In order for you, for your music to come out on streaming platform, you have to enter your information into any, you know, distribution uh, platform. So I don't know why, but a lot of people tend to miss, like, let me put my producer's name here or this producer name here. I, I don't understand, like, the difficulty of that is really not, especially you doing it yourself. Um, but just placing that producer's name in the credits on a streaming platform is going to help accelerate um, that producer's career. Or you could go the route what a lot of producers do, um, which is having a producer tag, which I do not have. I don't have a producer tag. Um, I kind of battle with that. Um, some people say um, it works for for them. I think for me, my sound is different than a lot of a lot of my peers. What I do uh, stands that stands out a lot more. That's why I chose not to have a tag, and I feel like it could get a bit annoying as well. That is my personal opinion. Um, of course, you can have it in the beginning, but if it's allowed, obnoxious. Um, tag is I think it throw off the artist. I'm just here for the music and the creative break record. You know, if the credits is done right, you will know who did what. And usually people be able to tell, oh yeah, that's J.R. Swift. It's something about either the way I process my drums or whatever I may do, it could be something different with the sample. But whatever I may do separates myself from others to where I don't need a tag. So as long as the credits is there and people getting credited right, um, the producer should be fine. But producers now are providing a lot more, real more upfront. Instead of back in the day in the nineties, um, you would if you was coming up and you knew somebody who had a name. A lot of times you probably be credited under the table. Like basically, you would get paid. And the big, the person with the big name would get the credit. You would just get ten thousand, fifteen, or whatever. But the bigger producer that has the name would get more, um, more of a cut because they have the, the name now. Producers basically artists. So how how are you going to market yourself for, um, you know, for for future gain and fame? I guess so. Um, it's a lot of opportunities for producers to really be on the forefront as an artist. So yeah. I was going to say, like, you know, the, you know, being a producer is not just putting it together. Like, it is literally an art form. Like, it 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 requires such a creative process and to to view the music differently. It's it's to be able to be like, can someone flow on this? Do I I need to understand the artist, but then I also need to understand the mechanics of sound and how you know certain instruments play off each other and create like a, a cohesive sonic piece so i definitely agree but it is interesting that you say you know back in the 90s it was more under the table I, I wonder why that was like it's weird to me that people don't want to give credit to those who helped them succeed i don't think it was it could be a numerous of things though it could be some people may uh i guess the big brother little brother effects like I have the name, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know how you got a sibling, right? So you know how you hit your sibling, the younger sibling is crying and making a scene and you're trying to, the hush, hush, like be quiet, don't tell mom. It's kind of that, like, I have the name, I have the connections, you basically need me. So I'm going to pay you this until you're able to find your own way in this game. Now, it's not like that because uh, I, for sure, didn't have a name. I was definitely building my name. Um, 
and that's you know doing little stones throw beat battles that was online uh beat tapes few beat tapes that i did put out i'm i'm a part of a group called ill science based out of um the, the 757 area which is hampton rose area of virginia um so that's kind of my train of thought but yeah so uh and i realized my train of thought i apologize man um, that's all right it happens yeah, to me but, all the time yeah man well so but you know Big dog, little dog energy. It's it's just more so I, having a name. It's more so just having a name. And um, I tell you, you to build yours. So for all, oh, that's what it was for me. And when I DM Elza, he didn't know who I was, but my music, my beats was so undeniably good. He took the chance. And this is before the Gazelda stuff came to play because 2017 is when I first linked up with Elza. And it was no talks about albums, anything like that. It was just, let's just build. And honestly, it just became that. Um, also, I'm going through a tunnel, so if I lose signal, I, I apologize as well. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think we're all good. Okay, we, we good? Yeah. Okay. Um, they have a name, anything like that. Took a chance. Year before, me and Wes actually linked for... Uh, you know, me being on Hitler Six, so I tell people all the time, um, Elza was my first placement, but me and Wes records were able to come out first, so that's why you know people know me from the Griselda stuff. But um, it's different now, man. Like I like I said, all the producers now have the ability to be on the forefront now as artists. You could not even work with an artist if you. If you don't want to, you could just perform. You could be a performance producer, a content creator, if you will. So many ways to skin a cat in the music industry. You don't have to work with artists. Artists grew up with wanting to create dope music with dope artists. So that's why I chose that route. And, and a little sprinkle of everything else, content creation and stuff like that. So um, like I said, so many ways to, to grow as a producer. Um, it's, it's just not not the case no more like how it was which is a great thing so yeah how was it you know getting a response back from Elzai because obviously you're putting yourself out there and then and he is such an accomplished artist and to me underrated in terms of his lyrical ability and his ability to put together a conceptual song like he does more than just like put together really complicated rhymes he can actually put together like thematically really interesting songs so how was it you know starting like just being like oh shit this is something i could that could actually happen yeah i'm gonna tell you it was surreal because growing up um funny story like when i first um i guess going back to the essence because at one point in time i was making trap beats so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to the essence and just make real hip hop. So as I was at the time, Pandora was like popping. It wasn't really Spotify. Title definitely wasn't out then. It was just Pandora. So I was going through and, you, you know, you could go through the radios. So I came across Dilla and then from Dilla led to like SV, Small Village. So I'm like, yo, I don't know who this dude is, but he's just going wicked. He's just wilding right now. Definitely one. He's one of my favorite MCs. Probably is my favorite MC. It's him and then Sky Zoo. But um, with him responding, I didn't. I didn't think he's gonna respond. You figured he's not having on social media like that and very private individual. I'm like, man, what is the odds of him really gonna look at this DM? And when he looked and he started listening to the to the beats, because I normally post me making a beat on Instagram, people listen, whatever, whatever. So I sent him, I sent him a video of me making the beat. And he was like, yo, these are actually good. And he started going through my, my, my catalog that's on my page. And he was like, yo, fam, here's my number. That was it for me. Once he gave me his number, it was around this time, around my birthday. I think it was the day before. Can you just repeat that? You just cut out that little that little bit at the end. No, I was saying. Um, like it was around your birthday? I, I just missed that back end bit. Yeah, it was, it was around my birthday. So that's been um, 
like the theme for the past couple of years. It's like something around my birthday, um, either the day of or a couple of days before, something always happened. And this situation, 2017, is when he read the DM and gave me his math, his number, gave me his number for, him to, for me to contact him. It was a, and I was on the phone with this man. We just built it. So, yeah, um, that was a great birthday present for me. Then the next day, I went to a Gazelda show uh, to see Wes and um, I think Wes and Conway and Smoke Desert was on tour with the Locks. It was in Charlotte. I used to live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So it was, it was dope. Definitely a dope experience. That would have been sick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's because when we were messaging and we were talking about dates and, and timing, I was like, damn, you're so keen on doing it on your birthday. And now I know why. Because you've had thematically success and things pop up on your birthday for for the past few years. Have Like, did you – I wonder, it's always like when you have success around that period of time, like, do you feel like that's just, you know, that the growth every year of like – all right, this is symbolic of my next step. Absolutely. If it, it could be symbolic of what's about to come forward, forward or to remind me what I've done and I need to keep doing what I've been doing. Like this year wasn't the best for me. Um, just like others, like a lot of artists, was have the issue financially, mentally, spiritually, whatever it may be. I think everybody was struggling somewhere this year. And I was a part of that. Um wasn't really creating uh, my personal bled, bled into my music. And it wasn't a good year. It wasn't really, um, as they call it outside, I wasn't really being active as I should. And today on my birthday, I did an interview when I was in Boston. Um, couple weeks ago, like three weeks ago now, um, I had an, an interview with another podcast and they didn't even know he dropped it today on my birthday. And then now I'm doing an interview on my birthday. <laughs> so stuff like that that happens, man, that remind me, especially this year, that I need to keep doing what I've been doing for God and don't stress. So absolutely, definitely very symbolic. What happened in the past year? Why was it so challenging and so difficult, like for you to get to where you need to be creatively? Um, honestly, I think this year um, I had caught the beginning of the year. I had COVID. I had COVID the beginning of the year. Um, actually, December of last year, but it bled into um, this year, early part of this year. Um, then this kind of lost kind of just lost track of what I needed to do after that. I think I was just more so focused on recovering from having COVID. And it wasn't even bad. It was like the market prong. I think everybody had it around that time. But still, recovering from it, my mental wasn't the best. There was a lot going on personally. Um, and it just bled into the music, which I shouldn't have haven't had that happen. It's just, you know, we're humans at the end of the day. And that was just what I was dealing with. Um, but I know going into 23, I cannot allow the business to fall the way that it did. Because there's so much more that I need to do. So many people that I want to work with. And um, so many doors that needs to be opened. Like, I think a lot more people need to work with JR. And JR want to work with other people. I mean, from... JR writer to fabulous to um, Young and May to Tory Lanez. Like, the list goes on. It's, it's very a mixed bag. Rhapsody is a mixed bag of people that I would like to work with. So um, I can't allow myself to fall short the way that I did. Have you set things up now for, you know, and, and let me say as well, I'm glad you recovered and you're, you're feeling a lot better, but have you set things up so that because shit is always going to happen in our personal lives like it's inevitable but have you have you got things in place where you're like all right next time anything happens i can do xyz 
so that I can make sure that, you know, I can separate as much as possible my personal life and my business life. Yeah, for sure. Just being able to just separate, um, you know, I'm, I'm big on kind of being a stoic. Um, until like, I feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly enjoyable person. I love life. And that's something that I've been learning this year. Just, just be you. Um, but also be a stoic, be stone, uh, stern with certain things in life. And, um, like you said, things are always going to come up within life. Um, when you have something great going, right? So think about it like this, like basketball. Um, I use this analogy. You're one of the, you know, you, you're a rookie of the year. Kind of like, like Derrick Rose. I, my story is kind of like Derrick Rose right now. <laughs> um, MVP, and that's one, and that's probably my, one of my favorite players, him and um, James Harden. Um, but going from MVP, killing it for, you know, a couple of years, and then injury. Um, but, you know, it's a metaphor, but I was saying, I had my injuries and now I'm recovering. So just figure out how to um, manage my injuries better as far as like the personal life and not have it bleed into the music. Um, Cause that's the business, you know, that's how I get paid. How, um, you know, one of my means of income and that's something that I love to do. I, I can't allow that a fork can't allow my name to just, like that so uh, find a way to separate that you know it's interesting that you bring up stoicism because like is there a way that you found out about it did you or did you find it like inherently like where did it play into your life that you were like all right this is something that i'm gonna adopt um that's a great question i think it was more so i i, I think i just wanted to live a different life, honestly. Um, I feel things would be better if you took yourself seriously to a degree. Like, like I said, I love to laugh, joke, but um, some things you have to take seriously um, if you want somebody else to take you serious. So um, that's why I started getting into stoicism and among other things. So it definitely helps me with business. I feel like, you know, some people like to say the music industry is very cutthroat. So if you're in a cutthroat business, like the music business, you kind of have to be on point, um, very stern with certain things and not been on certain aspects of the music business. Like if you have, um, let's say your producer, your price is like 2000 a beat, right? But you have fans that just enjoy your music and they want to own a piece of your work. They may not even rap. They just want to own a, a beat of yours. You just, and I'm just so stern on this 2000. Sometimes you have to, um, being able to uh, adjust, being stern and you adjust like, hey, I'm doing this for you. I know you, um, enjoy my, my music, but, also, um, but that again. Also, being just flexible with your work too, um, but stern on the paperwork, stern on handling the business. Okay, you know, I appreciate you. Thank you for considering me for your album, your single, or what have you. But I'm stern on my business. I want the right type of splits, so on and so forth. That's being stern. You have to be stoic in that aspect. Because if you're not really stern on your business, I think people could take you a certain way and then feel like they can get away with such. And um, that this being stern on a business, meaning, um, you know, the paperwork aspect, the splits, things of that nature, how to be stern on that? Um, if you're not, some people may feel like you're push over, easy to um, get over because you're not handling your business correctly. And I feel that you um, definitely should. That's something you cannot play around with. So it's interesting you bring up stoicism because I, I kind of like 
all these philosophies of life of like how to best live your life, how to be, you know, the best man or the best person you can be. And I always battle with stoicism because it's like, you know, the the whole the core principle is about not letting things get to you. It's about, you know, you stay extremely consistent, like you said, like be a rock. Like no matter what is thrown at you, you stay level-headed, calm, and you just don't change as an individual. But then on the flip side, I'm like our emotions kind of bring people closer to us. So like you said, you're, you're, you're funny, you like to laugh, you like to like have that part of you. And so I, I, the, the challenge with stoicism for me is like I also love to do that kind of stuff and it kind of makes emotions the enemy Whereas in a weird way, I know maybe that's my perception of it, but like I think there's a balancing act and in your personal life, you want to be able to use your emotions and you want to be able to bring people closer to you. But then in business, being level-headed and calm is obviously extremely powerful. So it's like this balance of making sure you can use certain principles in the right moments in your life. No, you, you are absolutely right. Um you said something that was very important, controlling your emotions. And that's something that uh, I think a lot of men do not do re- well with, is controlling their emotions. They, they, they just act and just think. Um, think about the actions or consequences later. And I feel like um, if you're able to think clearly um, about a situation, I think that'll help you. I've seen a meme, right? They say you're a very dangerous person if you're able to stay calm during disrespect. So if somebody's just being outraged and disrespecting you and still being calm, you, you won that. You won the war. Um, for the simple fact that you you won the war for the simple fact that um, you're able to, to manage your emotions. You know that this person is talking to you in the manner that they shouldn't be. But since you're being in frame and being able to just manage um, the situation, I think that would take you a long way. And in the music business, um, being stern on certain principles about splits, about contracts, about how they, hand, how they handle your brand at the end of the day, your name at the end of the day, because it's so easy to get blackballed in, in the music industry because you're not uh, you're not playing along to get along. And everybody's not trying to play that type of game. Everybody's just trying to do what works for them and what their level of success should be. So, yes, yeah, like being able to control your emotions, at least 80, at least 80 to 85%, I think, will take you a long way. I think you should feel, you should be able to feel your emotions, but don't let it consume you, if you will. Yeah. See, I think it's interesting because business-wise, I always look at it and I'm like, you know, emotions cloud judgment. Like emotions make you make decisions that may not necessarily be... (laughs) Sorry, man. One of those moments. (laughs) Um, Uh, Bless you. But, yeah, emotions can cloud judgment because, you know, and, and as soon as somebody realizes that, you're making decisions through emotion or you have made decisions through emotions in the past, they can trigger it to make the next decision. So like if I know that you make decisions through, you know, joy, then I'm going to make you feel that joy in my next interaction with you because you're going to make a decision that may benefit me rather than thinking objectively, okay, what is the right choice? A lot of people make decisions through fear. And so you see in selling that even when you, like over the phone, the fear of missing out is one of the biggest selling points ever. It's It was discovered in sales. And, and so like as soon as you succumb to that emotional part in a business sense, then you lose the control you have over yourself. But those fears then or those emotions in that personal life is important because it brings you close to the people around you You because you show them like, okay, 
no one, not everyone gets to see this part of me. I trust you enough to then bring you in and show you my potential vulnerabilities. I show you the things that are really important to me. So getting that balance right is extremely difficult, but extremely important. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, man. Absolutely. Did you notice a shift when you started implementing it? Um, I did. I did. I think people took me a lot more seriously when I started uh, managing the, the emotions. Um, because I'm, like I said, I don't, I don't like uh, chaos. So I feel if I'm able to manage, um, if I'm able to manage the emotions in whatever situation I'm in, I think it ended up turning out better for me. Um, like say bills, right? Everybody has bills. How are you going to pay your, your, your bills the next day? I think just managing the stress and trying to figure things out, um, I think it helps in the long run because you never know what the world has in store for you. Um, you could be stressing over something, right? But the answer could be literally right there. You know, you might forget, oh, I got extra money to pay for this bill. I didn't, you know, I just completely forgot about this. So, yeah, I think just staying calm in any situation definitely helps me. Um, that's something I try to live day to day. Just you know, straight face, especially if I'm in, a, in the area where I'm not familiar with. Uh, I'm always making sure I'm focused and knowing my surroundings. That's where stoicism really comes into play at. So it definitely helps me on, on so many levels, for sure. Yeah, I think I think we all got to find whatever it is that helps us find kind of a bit of peace with, you know, the, the chatter in our own minds. But something I did want to ask you about was your father because – your father also was in the music industry. So do you remember being a kid and kind of seeing the things that your father was was doing and did that inspire you? Yeah, for sure. He actually with me right now. He's a driver. <laughs> He's driving me around <laughs> right now to the studio. Um, man, um, and, and, you know, for the longest time, to be honest, actually the, this is probably going to be his first time hearing this. I was actually keeping it low because I know – People is real funny about that when they feel like, oh, you, you had the um, silver spoon because father's in, in the music industry, and I'm like, okay, what he had, we done it, and you know what he's doing and done, and his time has nothing to do with mine. But people will try to play with that, right? Um, or try to use that against me, if you will. But um, I don't ever deflect. My, my upbringing when it came to the music industry because I've seen a lot. Been in studios since I was I was in second grade, so whatever age that was, um, and some of the top dogs in the industry, I, I saw them. You figured um, Kooji Rap, you figured Busta Rhymes, you figured Flavor Flav. I mean, the list goes on, man. I've, I was around early on. I remember him taking me to the studio Plenty of nights, no one had to go to school the next day. But um, that's part of my journey, though. Like, I posted a picture of me um, when I was young. I was actually in NBA at the time because I'm originally from New York. I'm originally from Brooklyn. But I posted a picture of me using a drum machine. I mean, it wasn't on. I think I was just about to cut it on. But we decided to take a picture. But you look at the aesthetics. I had, like, old school posters on the wall from, like, Jay-Z, Streets is Watching, um, a couple other movie like posters and stuff like that. That's part of the aesthetics. That's pure hip hop. So stuff like that. Um, I kept low until like later on in life as I got older. I'm like, yeah, like I probably definitely did thing in the, in the music. Um, I still continue to do this thing right now. He owns. Uh, he runs a, a group that I'm a part of called a Specialist, and um, it's, it's him and I. And a couple other producers and our artists, his artist actually, uh, Keith Turner. So to see this man grind for his work for so many years, that's where I get my work ethic from. Um, and actually carrying the, the name. So his is J Swift, Monsters is J.R. Swift. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And we also got a placement on Pat Poo's album, a February album that came out this year, if I'm not mistaken. No. Last year, to my last year, um, the February album, uh, I did Serial Killer and 
Sticks and Stones. I forgot the name of the record that my, my father did. Um, but I don't I don't think I don't think that ever happened before. A father father son duo on an album. That's I don't think that's haven't been done. That's dope. That's the dope part about it. Yeah, I, from from the top of my head, I can't think of a father son duo, especially producer duo uh-uh. being on. No, it's, it's usually MCs. Usually, you know, you got Peter Guns, Corey Guns. You know what I'm saying? Um, you got Razzcast and then his son from Coast Contra and um, a couple others. It's, it's it's a lot, a lot more, but it's more so MCs, not really producers. That's the dope part about it. Yeah. Do you? I I want to touch on the 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 kind of not wanting to be perceived as someone with a silver spoon in your uh-huh. mouth. Like, how long did it take you to get over that potential? Like, you know, it was clearly something that worried you that you didn't want to be like, oh, you know, I'm getting success because my father's successful. How long did it take you to overcome that kind of challenge? Um, it wasn't long. It was just throughout um, my teenage years up to like my early 20s. Um, and then as I grew older, I was like, nah, that's actually a part of my success story because um, when people ask, um, you know, interviews, how did you get started in the music industry? Like, did you just pick it up? Like, most people now just, oh, I want to make a beat today. Like, I want to learn to be a producer today. And they just go and look up tutorials from, you know, a, a program that their friend might have told them about. Like, no, I'm 31. I've been making beats since I was like 12. So I've been, I've been active for a long, even before that, you might just say when I was like six, seven years old. Um, that's when I've been like really heavy into the music. So, um, but as I grew older, I was like, nah, that's part of my success story. Like, if it wasn't my pops having me around these different people and being influenced by that, um, I don't think I would be making music, honestly. Do you remember what it was like heading into the studio for the first time? Like, cause it's yeah. like, like it's such a weird feeling, you know, like it's not an environment that most people will ever walk into. So being a kid walking into it must have been completely at the next level. To be honest, I wasn't uh, I wasn't shy when it came to that. I wanted the spotlight on me, and it's like I know I'm great because I wasn't even producing at the time. I was MCing. I was an MC, but I didn't like how I, I didn't like my sound when I would call my vocals. I didn't like put some super high pitch. And I was like, oh, no, this is definitely not going to work for me. So I gave up MCing. And I wrote my, my own raps. I was like six years old writing my own raps. Like, I was really doing it. Um, but I just didn't enjoy how, like, like sound like Mickey Mouse. I'm, I'm good. So I, I just, you know, went behind the boards and started producing. And that's where, uh, that's where my success came from, Yes. Behind the board, just that they was trying to be outside and being an MC. So every now and again, I might might dip and dabble, but I don't take it serious. Do you have anyone that you met, like as a as a child, that you were like, that was pretty amazing? As far as like a, um, like, like as, a, as a producer or as like an artist, like looking back, you know, being around your father, being around the people he was working with, is there anyone that really stood out? Like as a memory of like that is pretty cool, or or like they were a, a, a person to me that like I don't know either inspired you or just had left an impact. Um, when I was MCing, probably like Pat Poose, because I was around him like early on, like early, early, early on in his career before the deals and stuff like that. Um, probably probably him and what really yeah him and a couple others that I was around. Um. Like this artist named Jinx the Jewelry, um, another artist named Ike Info Diamond. These are these people that I grew up. These are like my my brothers, my big brothers at the time. That was crazy, crazy MC in Brooklyn. Um, those are my influences. And then you know, then these guys went on to get deal. Um, Jinx the Jewelry had a deal with Dev Jam, and then Papoose had a um, a deal. I want to say J Records, either J, either J Records or Job, one of them. And um, 
became very successful in, in their own right. So these are the guys I was looking up to when I was MCing. Producers, it was my pops, and then Knox, Knox Raw from um, V8. So those are my two influences. But my pops definitely, definitely for because he had all the equipment. <laughs> it, every, anything you could think of, like, was right there at my disposal. Oh, let, let me mess with the, the techniques. You know, let me mess with the turntable. Let me mess with the ASR-10, the NPC-2000. Like, everything was literally right there. But I, I took more interest into that um, than rapping, honestly. Yeah. Kind of makes sense. I, I tried to write a rhyme once, and I was like, mm. nope, this is too hard. Nope, this <laughs> is not for it's, me. So MCing is not really hard. Um, I think it's a niche for everybody, right? You got to find your niche, uh, kind of study your influences and stuff like that. Like if I MC now, um, like I said, I did one that way every now and again. I know I'm I'm studying Elza, Sky Zoo. I'm studying um, a little bit of Conway, like, but really just L and Sky Zoo because super magical with the words. And, and, and I was out playing with, with syllables, and it's just how he put words together. Like, um, like one of my favorite lines from uh, "Hiding Place" by Little Brother, where he said, uh, "Working, working, playing a perfect verse, dispersed like a person that jerked from a circus can and then land to the earth." Crazy line. I was like, "Nah, he, he's crazy." <laughs> um, but it's just how it flows. You know, it's I, I don't it's 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 real technical, real detail. That's kind of how how I am in my production when I'm making beats. The little things matter. That's what separates you from smarter yo's. You know, you could say it's easy to say. You know, I'm a better rapper than you, right? I, I have I make better albums, so on and so forth. Okay, cool. You could give. A person that you can say is plenty, it's plenty of artists that are better rappers than Elza, right? But nobody's not gonna like lyricism. Lyrics is gonna fire on you every chance that you get. If you have one as a feature, he's gonna fire on you. You gonna have to, you have to pull some magic tricks to really keep up because he's gonna watch you on your own record. I feel sorry for them. I've heard it numerous times, time and time again. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, see, I realized I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to stick to talking. I think that's that's my my niche is just like just talking. I don't know. There's something about the, the putting the pen to pad. And, and like you said, comparing yourself to the class of MCs that are out there, the class of lyricists, that are out there that literally seem to bend words out of shape to make them work and use metaphors and multi-syllable rhymes. And they use all these pieces of imagery to kind of create a story and this, this thing. And I, I don't know when I look at it, I'm like, I just know inherently within myself that that level is such a level away from what I have inherently that like it's almost difficult to even let yourself go for it. Like I look at, for me personally, like I look at big pun, you know, Elza is one of them. I look at people like Sci High. He does fantastic bars and fantastic multi-syllable rhymes. And he, he does an awesome job, but you know, any one of the greatest rappers, of all time and you know I listen to Biggie a lot and he does the same the way he he seems to like bend words and sounds and so I think it's like it can be challenging when that's the era of hip-hop that you gravitate to to be like I can do it as well because it literally is the best of its class no absolutely um like some of my top five MCs um these phenomenal writers, um, Nas, Elza, um, Scott Zoo, is that three? Um, Big L, so it's a four, the fifth one, man. Um, 
I will say, I always find number five the hardest. It chops and changes for me. It's, it's always changing. Like my, it took a long time for my top five producer list to really find that number five. But my MCs is like my fifth one. I mean, I could, it could be Jay-Z. It could be Biggie. Um, I, I'm going to put Biggie. Biggie would be number five for me. And him not writing, you know, writing down his raps. Um, that's different. That's, that's, you know, outside of Jay, of course, but that's the first time I really encourage somebody like to do that. And then a lot of people should kind of start follow, following that formula for the Jay, Sidney, uh, Wayne. Um, I think I hear Conway say he do it. Um, every now and again, he's going to booth, don't write just, I think that that becomes common now. Uh, the muscle memory is just, uh, retaining some of the, the um, you know, the bars, but I think writing it down, you're able to play with the cadence and audible differently. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I, I think I, I could be wrong on that. I think if you, you know, able to have everything in the mental and just spit the bars, I think you kind of can do it on the fly. So it might be better that way, honestly. Because I've spoken to a few people about that. Um, and I will say something I feel like we need to add to top fives is a producer. So it should be a top six, like your top five MCs, and then the producer you want to be able to produce songs for the top five. Like I feel like that's the missing piece. You need like a top six, five MCs, a producer, your favorite of all time, and then it's like a package. Um, but anyway, that's that's me getting distracted. <laughs> um, but um, – but yeah, I I've definitely heard artists say that like you know when you write pen to pad, and then you you know kind of record with the sheet up, it's not the same as doing it off memory. When you do it off memory and you know it off by heart, you can kind of play with it a little bit more. And I feel like it's almost in a way those people who can do it like spit without writing it down, they've done it so much that like you said, it's muscle memory that they just know where to kind of go to find the next part of the the this the bars. They know what should fit into the next place. But I think like we're talking about the best. But like for the everyday person, it's not possible for them to be able to meet that caliber off the top of their own head. And I think we see that in hip hop right now is like it's cool not to write lyrics down, but I can hear you didn't write that down. And that's not cool. Like when I can tell you didn't write that or I can tell that you didn't prepare that adequately, well, then I'm not impressed because I could have done that. I could have gone in there and come up with some random shit and then doesn't really do anything. But it's impressive when it's amazing. But when it's not, it's just not impressive at all. Yeah, so I I would say this too. Here's the difference. I think people that write their rhymes can get a lot more technical. If you if you're able to memorize the material because you wrote it down, you can still play with the pattern. Instead of just Hey, I'm just going to booth and whatever comes to mind. I, I think, like, you really just freestyling at that point. There's really no technicality, in my opinion, unless you've really been doing it for years and you really have to. I don't know, because I guess I've seen L work before. Everything's written down. And I see how technical he is. And I've seen videos of, like, Conway working. So, but it's two totally different artists, opening on right. I can hear somebody being super technical and the others kind of be still crazy lyricism, but it might not be as the same as as uh, or like a Scott's or like a Feral March or Black Thoughts on a choke. I think they get a lot more technical. You can move things around. You got to stop. You know, you got to uh, punch in when you record. There's a lot you got to do. First, when you write it down, I can just, okay, 
take this this word. I can probably move it around. Make it, you know, you really, it's like a puzzle. You really piece it together to have some dope lyricism. And then now since you, you memorized that joint, you've been practicing day in and day out, now you're able to play with the patterns a lot more. Well, I also think like being able to see the the length of words, being able to see the length of a particular part of your your lyrics is helps. Like, and this is from obviously the outside looking in, but being able to like go, all right, this is how you know this length of sentence fits fits into like here. This is how this fits into here. I can play with you know, shorter words here with longer words here and I can kind of just like start to add the complexity. I feel like that is a lot easier, as you were saying, when you can see it. And then from there it's just finding like like literally a puzzle. And I think it's when you don't see, like, I don't know. I just think writing writing it down has to be easier if what you're going for is complexity and what you're going for is the best rhymes. If you're just going to make a song and the best track that you're not really concerned about the complexity of the bars, then I'm sure it's fine not to write it down because you're just looking for something that's catchy. But it just depends on the MC, depends on your goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely right. So if you want to be technical, I think write it down. If you kind of... um so something we off. My man got a Mike Myers mask on. <laughs> um, <laughs> at the bus stop, that's wicked. Um, People are getting ready really for act- Halloween. Nah, like he really tweaking. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. But yeah, you actually write when it be technical, write it down. If you kind of just want to go with the flow at your own pace, definitely just go in and you know, basically just go have fun. Something I did want to ask you about was something you said at the start of the interview, which was you were making more trap beats and then you switched back to like more iconic hip hop, more like, you know, sticking to the four elements of hip hop. Why the change? Why did you start number one with the trap sound and then switch back? Um, I felt like it, I was being trendy. I felt like it was a trend. Like I was doing stuff that sounded like Roscoe Dash and uh, Waka, Waka Flocka. Like I'm making stuff like that. It's like, man, I think I want to go back to the essence. I want to go back to making stuff that you know my dad was making. And um, I remember I had bought my first drum kit, which is uh, Ilmon's Lab Kit Volume One. I bought that. And I just started making, you know, figure out how to make my own hip hop beat. Um, Cause I was ready around it. Like I'm around it sonically and I'm not in the business to be trendy. I'm, um, you know, trying to get my own success my own way. And that's why I try to tell people like, there's a niche for everybody. Um, just do what works for you. Yeah. I think that's, that's quite difficult for, for a lot of people. Like, I don't know. I find I find it sometimes difficult as well. Like a lot of people ask me, like you know, which other podcasters do you listen to and like take inspiration of? And it's like part of me listens to other people for enjoyment, but I always try and make sure I listen to genres outside of my own because I don't want like to. I want inspiration from other people who are doing a good job, but I don't want to be influenced too heavily from other people that have their own brand, like they have their own style. So it's like, it's a catch 22. You got to just like, you got to find your natural lane and not be scared to just do your own thing. No, absolutely. That's why, um, you know, for so many years I've went through that path of trying to sound like somebody else. And well, it sound like my influences rather sound like my influences. But as I grew and matured as a producer, I started just picking the pieces that I like from my favorite producers. Like, okay, well, Dilla doesn't quantize. Let me take that and implement that in my production. 
whatnots. He got the, the L drums, bass line. He might pick a list, a weird sample, and flip it a certain way. Um, so I'm I'm picking different things from my favorite producers and basically compiling to one to where you hear me now, JR Swift. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, man, I think you're doing a fantastic job. I mean, you don't really need me to tell you because everyone, it, the list of accomplishments, but it is always awesome to to see people like yourself who clearly have a strong passion for it and, and are motivated to do really well. And I only have one more question for you, but it's probably going to be the toughest question I've asked. Um, but if you could recommend one album, that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of cannot be your own music, can be any genre that you choose, what would it be? Um probably man, it's it's so it's so many albums I could choose from, man. Um one album. Um I'll probably go with Probably go with Illmatic. By Nas. I probably go Illmatic. By Nas. I probably go with Illmatic. What is, what does it mean for you that album? It's not a lot of songs for one. Thing that's how albums should be. I'm listening to albums now, and it's just it's a lot of album fillers on albums nowadays. Like a, a album might be um, fifteen, seventeen songs. And about eighty percent of you know percent of it is eighty percent is filler. Cut that down, or you got to trim the fat. I think what um, in Maddox for like seven songs, eight songs, something like that. And every last one of them is bank. That's why I don't the album. Um, no album filler, straight to the point. Classic record. It's a record on that album for somebody. Yeah, I, mean, I could have chose. I could have chose. Give it to Dot I Could have chose uh, documentary by Game. I could chose. Could have chose um, Extinction Level Event by Buster Rhymes. So many albums could have chose, but those albums have some filler, in my opinion. Illmatic does not, in my opinion, straight to the point. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, Get Rich or Die Trying is like what is it, twenty one, twenty three tracks, something like that. Like it is a huge piece yeah. of work. Yeah, 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 but it's too long of an album. I mean, I still enjoy that album like it came out yesterday, but um, still too long of an album. It is like 22 songs, something like that, like way too long of an album. I'm not about to sit through and run. That's It's probably over an hour, and I know they don't make albums like that no more, like a, like at least an um, a hour time, but I'm not about to sit through an hour worth of music. Um now no more anyway. You can just precisely like piece your album together of just great songs. I, I would enjoy seven, eight, nine songs, ten songs. I agree with you. I think definitely there is like it's weird. We're in this time of music where sometimes an album is too short because they don't have enough killers. Like you're like, man, this needed to be longer because like you just did the same thing for six tracks. And it's just like, that's not enough. And then, as you said, like when you get 15 plus, it's like, I don't know why you've got four or five of these songs on here because they're not your best work. And so it's like, I feel like people haven't realized or found their own kind of sound and their perfection yet of like figuring out this is my best and that's all I'm going to release. We kind of have this mentality these days of I just throw as much shit against the wall and hopefully some of it sticks. But this is where the fans got to start holding their favorite artists accountable. Uh, stop just recording songs just to record them and just to put out the songs. Actually take your time and put out a dope record. So that way you have more of a fan base than just, oh, I got a co-follower. Just because whatever the case may be, um, I think artists need to do better with the records that they put out. So I hold everybody accountable. I don't care who it is. Because uh, I'm a fan first. You know, fan first, producer second. So I'm going to tell you, like, yeah, I don't like this record. I think, you know, maybe this producer should have been on this album or 
I mean, I, I'm not even got to include me all of the time. I could just say, yo, I think this producer should have been on. Maybe this feature. Maybe you should have took this song off. And like, like I said, if I was producing, I'd probably be a and R. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> like, if I was producing, I'd probably be a and R. That that's my next venture. If, if everything fails with production, I'm I'm getting the A and R. That's that's my next bag. Well, man, I'm sure it won't fail because you're doing a fantastic job. Um, obviously, you know the great Jr. Swifts came through. Make sure you support him. Check him out on Spotify. Check him out on IG. You've also got a link um, to a bunch of tracks that you've um, produced as well in your Spotify link tree. Um, but man, it was absolute pleasure. And who knows, you might go into A and R as well moving forward. Anyway, just try try and switch it up when you when you get kind of like when you want to kind of mix it up. But man, absolute pleasure. Is there anything else you wanted to plug? Yeah, actually, I do, man. Again. Again, again, thank you for having me. I'm on the platform. Um, I know I'm on the road. It's been kind of crazy. But um, again, thank you for a, a, a dope interview. Um, I actually have an album coming out on the 21st with this dude, talented uh, rapper slash producer, more so producer than rapper, um, Body Back Ben. That comes out on the 21st. I did all of the tracks. I did the rhymes. I got another album coming out. Um, that I'm producing uh, from VA. It's a cat named Quan Fulion. Got that in the cut. And I got other projects too, man. Um, so just be on the lookout. Awesome, man. Well, happy birthday again. Um, as I said, first first time an artist has, has done an interview with me on their birthday. Hope you, your recording session goes well. You've got important people around you, your father, as we, we mentioned as well. But, man, absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what else you get up to, and uh, hopefully we get to do it again. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I'm just keeping close to anything, man, and um, definitely do the same. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe, and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now